Week Replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. Featuring the best of the best from today's conversations, observations, and ruminations. Because great radio is still fresh the second time around. Earlier today on the Mac and Bone Show. Paul Feinbaum, Mac, has joined us uh, every year for, what, a decade or so at this point? Does Paul ever really join us in the best of times? No, never. There's never. <laughs> it's it's why. Why do you think we want Paul on so much? Oh. Because he allows us a diversion from the Panthers. His presence means, oh, good. We're talking to Paul Feinbaum. That means college football, not painful Panthers talk. And he trusted us <laughs> with his SEC quarterback, Bryce Young. He, he, put a, he thought he was putting Bryce Young in good hands with us. <laughs> and that's not working out too well. Oh, either. my goodness. He is Paul Feinbaum, ESPN, the SEC Network. Nice enough to join us again here on the Mac and Bone Show. Paul, what's up, man? How you doing? Hey, guys. Uh, uh, okay, hold on. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. I just got off the phone with Adam Schefter. Uh, he. He, uh, he told me I could share with you that Martin from Gastonia will be calling plays this weekend against the Cowboys. <laughs> and you know what's sad is that might be good news. I got to be honest with you. I, I got to tell you. That might be an upgrade, Paul. Paul. We've seen worse. Oh, my gosh. Seriously, let a fan do it each week at this point, for God's sakes. Just go to the ju- the video board and say, do you want to play A, B, or C? <laughs> Vote now. I, I mean, is it possible that I, I mean, not that I've ever seen this guy in public without you know his entourage, but could I just walk up to David Tepper and fire him? Would that work? God, if you could, man. If you could fire the owner. Oh, my Lord. Uh, anyway, back to back to reality. Okay, sorry. It, didn't mean to get off the subject. <laughs> that was oh, a no, good, no, it was a good thought. No, we're always thinking about Arby's it. Arby's 64. They, Arby's 56. Oh, there's, rawr, rawr. there's Mark right there. From oh, there's the actual Mark Flakoff. I didn't know we actually yeah. had evidence of him yelling a play name out. All right. Um, uh, let's get into and, and where can we start? We can't start anywhere other than the Jim Harbaugh situation. Um, I, uh, you and you and Des uh, were were getting into it over this the other day. Now I see that Ric Flair is, defend, <laughs> is, is going after you on social media, Paul, ripping Woo! you over this. Your well, take. Here, here's the good news. Uh, you know, uh, I, you know, I. The, I mean, Ric Flair is an intimidating guy, but the one thing I'm not afraid of living in Charlotte is that he would ever threaten me because I think there are about 15 injunctions out for his arrest in Charlotte, so I don't have to deal with him here. <laughs> yeah, one of the great trades was when you entered the city and Ric Flair left it around the same yeah, time period. Yeah, we like that move. We like that move. But, hey, I just thought of something, guys, not to, not to interrupt, but, I mean, I, I shouldn't have said that about Tepper because what if, uh, you know, he, he wised up which I don't think he's capable of doing, and fires Frank Reich and decides to hire Harbaugh, and Harbaugh moves in right next door to me. <laughs> I got to tell you, I'm pretty oh desperate. I think I would take Harbaugh at this point. Paul, what <laughs> what do you think about, like, I think we've heard a lot of your, t- I, and most of what you said about Jim Harbaugh and Michigan, I've agreed with. I know it's upset a lot of people, Ric Flair included. The thing that's taken my anger towards me, it's one thing that they cheated in what sounds like a very egregious way, but then the way that they have acted afterwards, I mean, the way they're acting like they're the victim, Jim Harbaugh wants to be America's team, That that's taken my anger to another level. Yeah, I mean, that's where we were the other day. I mean, I was sitting there, uh, I wouldn't call it debating with, with- Desmond Howard. I mean, this this makes some of the things you see on cable TV look objective when you've got the most famous Michigan player, uh, <laughs> you know, arguing uh, about the merits of a case, and 
you know, I'll, I'll leave it up to the audience whether you know he made any any sense. Uh, and then you get Ric Flair. And by the way, you guys know the story on Ric Flair, not to keep interrupting, but the reason why Ric Flair is a Michigan fan is that Kirby Smart stiffed him a couple of years ago on oh. the sideline. Uh, he, uh, he he walked up to shake hands with Kirby, and Kirby blew him off, which is really it shows you what a genius Kirby Smart is. <laughs> that is hilarious. And, and Flair went on social media and, and blasted him wearing a Michigan jersey. This was right before Michigan was playing Georgia two years ago in the Orange Bowl in the CFP. And, and I mean, listen, Rick Flair will take a picture, you know, with anybody uh, just to get noticed. But I mean, I just find it really sad and pathetic uh, uh, in terms of what he's doing right now. But uh, but back, I think there was a question there somewhere. What was it? Yeah, the, the, the whole. <laughs> I understand, but it's important. Harbaugh's or uh, Flair's coming after you. Oh, I love Paul. The, the, the attitude of the University of Michigan, where they want to paint themselves as victims and kind of this lovable, persevering group, like that ain't working with most of America, is it? No, and, and that you know, the poor coach, I think, was uh, Sharon Moore the other day after the Penn State game. I mean, I give this guy credit. You know, he, he's a, he's a you know rent a, rent an interim coach for the day, um, and and he does a good job. Uh, they beat. Penn State. By the way, there are there, there's a million people uh, in Charlotte right now who could have coached a game against James Franklin and win. So I didn't think that was really that big of a deal. Um, and and then uh, it's uh, you know and then he goes then he starts crying on TV. And, and I I really uh, Stephen A. Smith said this to me uh, Tuesday. He said I just flipped the TV on and I thought Jim Harbaugh had died. Uh, and you know maybe he's over at that residence inn. Uh, in state college, watching the game, and he and he and he choked on a Cheeto or something. I don't know. Uh, and anyway, it was just the whole thing sad. And you know, I, I made the mistake on TV the other day of saying, you know, I always thought America stood for things, uh, you know, integrity, and I got blasted saying, no, America's got to where we are by cheating and stealing signs. So maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> Paul, there was a debate uh, early this week and late last week about Jim Harbaugh and sort of his personality because he called Michigan, you know, America's team now, and he has all these goofy pressers and these comments. And then some people say, oh, he's trolling, he's acting, and other people say, no, that's who he is. Who who do you think is the real Jim Harbaugh? Because he comes across often as out of his mind, but do you think that is actually who he is at this point? No, this is not some uh, evil mad scientist. Uh I've come in contact with him a few year, a few times over the years. I've interviewed him, um, not not often. I was supposed to be with him about four years ago, and I, it's a long story. But I ran into uh, Tom Crean. Remember him? Yeah. Uh, he's a, he was a basketball coach at Georgia at yeah. the time. <laughs> I, I don't know where he is now. Um, he 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 grabbed me at media at spring meetings in Destin and said, "You and Jim need to end this." Now, he, Jim, oh, by the way, he's Jim's brother-in-law. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He uh, he married the sister between uh, Jim and John uh, Harbaugh and. And we had a meeting. He called me one night from Harbaugh's parents' house, and Jim was there, and we were going to get together the next week and play golf. And I, I, I literally could not do it. I, I mean, I know that sounds crazy, but you could find something more important than spending a weekend with Jim Harbaugh. Uh, but he told me that that's Jim, uh, and so I believe it. I, I don't think he's that. I don't think he's that smart. Uh, I think he's somebody that would would have been perfect living in the fifties and sixties, uh, and, and and that's what you see when he talks. We're talking with Paul Feinbaum, ESPN, SEC Network, about the Harbaugh situation. Paul, we, we talked about you the other day. We played a clip of you where you were, you know, kind of thinking out loud about, hey, could Dabo and Texas A&M be a fit? 
and it got lively. It was an interesting reaction from Clemson fans to us on the text line. It makes sense what you're saying, but does he want to go there into that pressure cooker, or does does he want to stay at Clemson where he can always fall back on those two national titles? Do you think Dabo would want to make a move like that? I do, and and I want to say, you know, listen, I've had my fun with Dabo, but I, I was being dead serious the other day when I said that, and I know he responded to it in a typical, oh, uh, it's November, like, hey, Dabo, not that many people are calling you. I've got breaking news for you. Um, <laughs> and But having spent enormous time in College Station, uh, it, it's a different place. And Dabo's mindset, you know, very, very narrow, uh, you know, very conservative, uh, no bend, I think fits that mindset very very well and and i'll give him his due i mean he's a very he's a superb football coach but i i think i think i think he's reached the ceiling at clemson and and i think a lot of clemson fans have to acknowledge that you know once they quit uh, blasting the, the the three of us on twitter uh and and i would go uh i mean i think it's it's maybe one of he's not going to alabama they don't want him there i mean i got that, that's a fact i mean he, he is worn out as welcome with alabama because of his stubbornness and the fact that he he he, he spurned the, the portal and was slow to NIL, but I think A and M, you know, it's, you don't have to win a national championship there. You just have to compete, uh, and that's what Jimbo Fisher wasn't doing. And the SEC, by the way, is going to be. People think it's going to be tougher next year. In some ways, it's going to be easier because you don't have the same schedule. You, you don't have Alabama is not on Texas A and M schedule next year. Uh, you, you have Texas, you have Oklahoma, you have all that, but you also have the advantage of the 12 team playoff where you can go eight and four next year with a good conference, with a good schedule and make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And that's the difference. And it's a big difference. And you could say, well, you can still do that at Clemson. Well, you can, but Clemson is in the ACC and I'll, I'll whisper this, but the ACC is not exactly, uh, the Broadway of college football right now. Oh, no, we don't, we don't want to hear How that. Dare Paul. You, Paul. How dare you, Paul? I'm going to contact Ric Flair and get him after you. <laughs> <laughs> and Jim Harbaugh. You know, he's got, he's, he'll, uh, he'll handle that too for where's us. Where's Hulk Hogan, Bone? You got any other wrestlers we can send after Paul for where's that? Well, in fact, uh, Goldberg, remember him? Yeah. Goldberg actually played uh, at Georgia. He was, a, he was an All-American there, so he's legitimate. Where Rick Flair, well, uh, you, you saw the 30 for 30. I don't need to say any more. No, no. We, yeah, we, he used to be, Paul, like when we, when Bone and I first got here, which is like almost two decades ago at this point, he was so revered. I mean, we used to always say, Bone, he could run for mayor. But, man, he has had himself involved in so many messes since then. Um, the Panthers, remember the whole thing with the Panthers, Bone? Like, you were talking, Paul, about, like, Kirby Smart like wouldn't shake his hand or whatever. Well, the Panthers stopped when he had all, when he had some of those legal problems that yeah. you referenced earlier, Paul. The Panthers stopped doing his woo on the video board or whatever. Yeah. And he got mad about that. So yeah, Paul, he got into a he got into a road rage altercation on the side of 485 one afternoon. Yes, and yes. apparently put a guy in a figure four leg lock, leg lock during rush hour traffic. <laughs> <laughs> and the guy said, "I thought wrestling was fake." <laughs> Imagine you're driving Paul down 485. You look to your right. There's Rick Flair with his shirt on. Done, and he's got some random pedestrian, or random, uh, you know, this guy in a, uh, in a figure four. God, like what a sight! What a Paul, sight! Uh, Shane Beamer's getting late to Mississippi State. He had to answer questions about it yesterday because of the ties to the AD, and his his wife went there. How concerned should Gamecock fans be that he would make that leap, or does that not make sense to you? I, it's interesting. Uh, not only did his wife go there, I think I think his father-in-law is like the sheriff down there. Okay, <laughs> so I mean, there there are yeah. legitimate ties. And uh, the AD, Zach Selman, was at Oklahoma when, when Shane was there. 
I, I think it's, it's it's a little bit far fetched, but on the other hand, you, you I mean, let's say Beamer loses Saturday night and, and to Clemson, that's four and eight. Uh, I mean, he's not in trouble, but uh, I mean, it's a year away from a year ago this weekend he beat Tennessee and, and, and Clemson back to back. But you know, you, you four and eight's a bad record, uh, and you know, maybe maybe he wants a change. Maybe he I, I don't I don't I don't think I mean he has a better job right now. I guess let me just say that. Yeah, I would think he does, too. I wanted to ask you, I know you've been talking about this a lot on your show lately. How can you not when you got Bama fans calling you every other minute? But Alabama, and I was so wrong on them. I was one of these doofuses that was doubting Saban and this team at the start of the season, and I've learned my lesson uh, yet again. But they are playing, Paul, as you know. I mean, close to as good as anybody, if not as good as anybody, as good as maybe the top two or three teams in the country right now. What kind of chance do you give them to knock off Georgia? They could do it. Uh, and I'm really interested in Georgia this weekend. I know it's a game that people are just waving at, but I want to see how Georgia plays in, in, in the toughest environment they will see all year in Knoxville. Not, I mean, Tennessee is terrible on the road, but they're very good at home. Uh, I, I Listen, uh, I mean, it's going to be a three-and-a-half-point spread. I mean, I think that indicates uh, the perception of this game in Vegas. So uh, by no means, uh, I, 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 prefer, I like Georgia at the moment, but we're two weeks and, and, and two days away. But I mean, you. I mean, I, I'll I'll save the cliches. But uh, Nick Saban is just such so. Mu- he's money in games like this. So yeah, I mean, you, you have to take it seriously. No doubt, that's going to be a very intriguing game. Paul, and- if you had to go to dinner with one of the following guys, who would you choose? Mark from Gastonia, Rick Flair, or Jim Harbaugh? <laughs> you know what? Jim Harbaugh. Oh, man. I thought Mark was going to get some love for a second there. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, dear. I'd say, I'd say Paul goes out with all three of them, um, <laughs> I, and I'd make a reality show out of it. All right, Paul, we appreciate your time. <laughs> appreciate it, man. Um, uh, good luck uh, with Ric Flair if you see him on the side of 485. All right, man? He, he's actually at my door right now. I got to run. <laughs> Listen to Mac and Bone every weekday morning from 6 to 10. Instant replay continues with more in a moment. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. The exclusive home of the Charlotte Sports Fan. You're listening to Instant Replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Because great radio the second time around is always twice as nice. This afternoon on the Wesson Walker Show. No longer the play caller for the Carolina Panthers, Thomas Brown, speaking to media earlier. In fact, he might have just finished up at the podium. He said one thing a leader does not do is tuck his tail. Thomas Brown also says this is a grown man's business, adds that the Panthers' offense has not been good enough all season long. He does not think that this is going to affect his career, but a lot of the comments that he had today, Wes, were taking the high road, which shouldn't be surprising because Thomas Brown has been nothing but a cool cat at the podium every single time that we've gotten to hear him speak. Thomas Brown addressing Frank Reich, telling us yesterday that the head coach was indeed going to take back 
play calling duties after handing over that responsibility to the offensive coordinator for the last three weeks and did so during the bye, which means he had that title as play caller for a month doing so in three games, going one and two, by the way. The first game, thought it was the best Bryce Young had looked all season long. The last two, I think it's the worst Bryce Young has looked all season long. But you and I both have criticized this decision to no end. And honestly, Wes, yes, my criticism is amped up because of it officially taking place yesterday. But the damage was already done once we got that news on Monday. Once Frank Reich said, I'm still figuring out whether I'm going to take back play calling duties or not, dysfunction, already easy to see. And now the fact that we are seeing that happen, Frank Reich taking back those duties. Joe Person wrote a column. I thought it was very good. You can go check it out on The Athletic. The headline, one of the write-ups before you click on it was, in the process of taking back that responsibility, he does Thomas Brown dirty. And it reeks of desperation to keep your job. I can understand that. I can sympathize with that. At the same time, this decision should not have ever been made in the first place. Right. For you to hand those duties to Thomas Brown, just for him to now have a bad record, to have a bad set of evidence on his plate. I hope it doesn't affect his future. I hope that three games doesn't. But the fact that you throw him something so poor, right. just to put on his resume, it speaks bad of that decision that was made a month ago. Yeah, no doubt about it. And so my whole thing about this situation is that, uh, you know, being an African-American myself, and, and the opportunities are scarce. And that's the thing that I've been trying to uh, preach throughout this whole process. We talked about over the past 20 years, NFL teams has hired an average of nine white offensive coordinators for every black offensive coordinator. Does that sound scarce to you? Because it surely does to me. And then according to USA Today, 55% of defense of coaches in the NFL this season are people of color, including half of the league's defensive coordinators. Now, that's a nice number, but we all know defense is perceived as not being as sophisticated because only 12.9% of the offensive coordinator jobs are held by people of color. And so Thomas Brown, he's looking at this situation working under Sean McVay. He says, all right, I got to go to Carolina to take this opportunity, even though I'm not going to be able to call the plays right away, even though most guys who are hired in this position regardless of color, are going to be the play caller from day one. Okay, fine. Then, you know, earlier this season, it kind of ruffled my feathers a little bit when Frank Reich hit him with the someday. He'll be able to call the plays. And I'm like, well, why'd you bring him in if it's going to be someday? Then things go left. You're 0-6. Oh, let me hand you off this hot potato and see what you can do with this hot garbage out here that we've been putting out when we knew that this was a setup for failure because nothing much greater was going to happen than what was going on on the field right then and there because of personnel. And so now you want to take the play calling responsibilities back for what? This does nothing but look bad on Thomas Brown. You shouldn't have given them the job, and you should have kept the someday in place for him after this season when you upgrade the personnel, when you upgrade uh, everything around Bryce Young, and then you give Thomas Brown the job and say, all right, this is in a little bit better shape. I took care of the car when it was banged up. I went and got it fixed. Here now you can drive it. That's how it should have went. So that's been my problem for all of you out there that have an issue with it. That's all I'm pointing out is the scarcity of the position for African Americans. I'm not saying that Frank Reich is racist. I'm not saying the Panthers are racist. But I'm just saying when you're in a position and you're a person of color, 
mainly an African-American and you know that these jobs are scarce for you to get that opportunity that is so scarce and then get it in a bad position after the person who was going to do the job in front of you couldn't do anything with it. And then they expect you to be able to turn sugar from you know what. And then now you're going to take it back. And that's all I'm saying. doesn't look good on them. It's a bad look for this franchise. And it speaks to why there were many who might have not wanted to take the job in the first place. And so for Thomas Brown, you hate it. He did take the high road. Kudos to him. But I know deep down, this has got to be a frustrating oh, situation 100%. for him. Oh, what, how could it not be? And by the way, everything you just discussed should have been recognized by David Tepper and should have been recognized by Frank Reich in the moment. When you hand play calling dude, to an African-American coach on the offensive side, and then you're going to hand them the keys to an offense that has not been performing all year long for a possibility for you to take it back just within three weeks' time? You have to understand how that looks. You have to understand not only how it looks for Thomas Brown and his background, but also just how dysfunctional the organization looks from a bunch of different angles. David Tepper has had this type of criticism before, okay? We saw it when Perry Fuel took over for those last four games when Ron Rivera was fired, and then he goes and gets a different coach, Matt Rule, who comes in from college, gets this job, gets a big old contract. Joe Brady gets the offensive coordinator job. He's received this type of questioning before, and so now that you leave yourself susceptible to this again because of your own doing and because of your own decision making it makes me think that you're not learning from anything as far as your tenure goes which what evidence do we have that suggests he is learning from when he purchased the team six years ago to where he is right now from where the team was a couple of years ago to where the team is right now mm -hmm. there are plenty of things that David Tepper has done well for the community that have benefited the community but, man, it doesn't mean that we just ignore the fact that this has been a losing football team literally every single year that he's been at the head of this organization. And also, with this type of questioning now, it's happened again. It happened before we even get to the final stretch of this NFL season, Wes. I don't think this offense is going to be fixed magically because Frank Reich has taken over. It, it, it's why I'm angry at Frank Reich for the decision to take it back. Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm angry at David Tepper for what, to me, seems like his decision to force Frank Reich to put this play-calling uh, responsibility on Thomas Brown's shoulders in the first place. There are a lot of people that are culpable in this situation, but the entire organization, it looks awful. It yeah. looks like a joke, and this is just the latest example of that. Yeah, and so now Frank Reich's going to take this back over with the Dallas Cowboys coming into town. We know everything that this defense represents. It's not going to look much better, and that's the thing. They should have just stuck to the plan, and, and that's been the thing that's been so wild about his tenure so far. There's no consistency, and to your point, which I thought was a fantastic point you brought up as well, what's Bryce Young got to be thinking about this? What is he thinking about the just the function, the functionality of this organization? He's like, like, my goodness, man, can we figure out what we're doing here and stay the course? You know you're going to take your lumps. You're 1-8 and eight at this point. The lumps have been taken already. All you can do is just finish out this season with pride and passion and move on to the next. And so what's your plan? What, it should have been just, okay, if Reich's going to be the guy, you get it to Reich, he does it, and then after that, you upgrade, you do what you need to do, hand it over to Thomas Brown, go into year two with that plan. Or if you wanted Thomas Brown to be the OC from year one, then just stick with that and you guys be collaborative 
as he always wants to say. But it just looks so bad on this organization from, as you said, the Matt Rule hiring and how bad that made this organization look. Now you bring in Frank Reich and the things that were said during the preseason that haven't come to fruition. And then now it's looking like you guys don't have a clue what you're doing in the building. And so, you know, you have to sympathize with Bryce right now as well with everything that he's dealing oh, with yeah. on the field not to mention these dogs that are coming in and he doesn't have the requisite dogs to be able to deal with that so he's already going to take a physical beating this weekend and then now he's just having confusion as to what's going on with his coaches this team doesn't know what's going on I think this is going to spell the end of Frank Reich here in this staff I think uh, at this point they just need to clean house and start fresh at the beginning of the next season so you said this staff that's what I'm interested in talking about. Yeah. Because this was an all-star staff. Mm-hmm. We've seen these coaches have success at other organizations before, right? Whether it be Jim Caldwell, whether it be Dom Capers, with this organization, by yes. the way. Jero Avero with Denver and with Carolina now. I think he's doing a good job. So the fact that you have him two years in a row with different teams, with different personnel, having two good years of work as a defensive play caller, I wonder how much of the staff is actually going to be kicked out of this franchise. Do you do one of these things where you keep a couple like they did with James Campen and Chris Tabor once they fired the Matt Rule regime, most of the Matt Rule regime? Who sticks around? How much of this is at the fault of Frank Reich and not really Thomas Brown, not really Ajero Avero? Does David Tepper realize that? continue to throw the money at them, continue to have them play out whatever their contract looks like, and then stay here because they have done a good job, or at the very least, right, in Thomas Brown's case, I'll say, it really hasn't been his fault. Some of it is because the offense didn't look great in those last two weeks. It didn't look great when he's collaborating on the game plan, which has some Rams concepts that he took from the previous franchise he worked for under Sean McVay. But nobody's pointing to Thomas Brown and saying this would be so much better if he just wasn't the guy that was helping out with this offense. So I'm interested in how much of the coaching staff actually sticks around here with Carolina. I don't I don't think of it as a clean house situation. Mm-hmm. Unless Avero wants to leave, I think that would be somebody that you would want to keep around. But th- this is this is where it gets all messed up, though. Like, we can agree, Avero's done a good job. But when you hire a head coach, he's going to want to bring in his own guys. Sure. And then so, this is where it gets all scramble brain for me. I don't want David Tepper to meddle, but I want Avero. But I also understand why he would hire a different coach than Frank Reich after one season. But then if I don't want David Tepper to meddle then I want him to allow the head coach to pick his staff, even if I would love to have Avero, which there is a way to get around it, Wes. The way to get around it would be to promote Ajero Avero as the head coach, the only coach that's shown good stuff this season, mm. and then have him pick who his offensive coordinator is going to be, wh- however he wants to fill the rest of his staff. That's the way to go about that if you are going to try to keep some of the guys in-house. What say you on what David Tepper should do and whether it should be a complete clean house or not? Hold up. My mind is computing right okay. now as I look into the distance. Okay. Now, we talk about like this that. staff. I like loading well. All right. So, uh, you know, when we look at the staff, the case of Ejero Avero, it's a curious case, I would say, because you factor in injuries, okay, but everybody has to deal with injuries. Then you factor in as well 
having an offense that keeps you on the field a lot. You're getting a lot of reps. Uh, so you factor that in as well, not having a lot of backup. But at the end of the day, this team is still third worst in the league in points per game allowed. They're 26 defensively against the run. Now, sure, like I said, does he have everything that he would like to have here? No, he does not. Is this his first year as the D.C. here? No, he isn't. But it's like, man... I know a lot of fans want that, but then there are a lot of fans, too, that's going to say, okay, well, how can you sell me on a guy whose defense is third worst in the league in points per game allowed to promote him to being the head coach, especially when you're – and I get it, the Houston Texans blueprint right now, they've got a defensive coach, D'Amico Ryans, but his background was pretty sterling coming into this thing. So it's like, all right, if you want to bring in a new coach and he wants to keep Averro, I can live with that. Not sure moving him to the – to the head coach spot from D.C. is the right move, especially if you want to take this offense to the next level. We know if you get an offensive coordinator that's going to take your team to the next level offensively, he's going to be gone. So you need to lock in on the offensive candidate that you want that is dynamic enough and has the philosophies that you feel like you want to compete in today's NFL, compete with the Dolphins, compete with these teams that you see doing those five, six, seven plays a game that make you go, whoa, man, these guys are playing on another level. You got to go get that guy. And then you let that guy figure out what he wants to do. Does he want to keep most of this staff? If he doesn't, then I'm all for cleaning house and letting him bring in who you want because it's all about Bryce Young. Everybody knows you have to cater your franchise around the quarterback if you feel like you've got that guy. And so you've got to get one of those Mike McDaniels types or whatever the case that you want to find to nurture Bryce, take this offense to the next level, and you're going to have to make him the head coach. I don't think you can afford to, in your scenario, if you make Evero the head coach and he brings in a dynamic offensive coordinator and he takes this offense uh, to another plateau, he's going to be gone yeah. in a year. So you got to go identify that guy and bring him in immediately. That's always been the reason to go with the offensive-minded head coach is because you have some security that he's not going to leave. It does not mean that that's the only way to produce a good offense. You can get a smart mind, have him be the play caller, have him be the offensive coordinator, but you do risk them being a head coach somewhere else. It might happen with Houston with Slowick's offense and the fantastic job he's done so far with Houston. Now, as we talk about Ajero Averro, well, Mike Garofolo of NFL Network just said yesterday, 23 hours ago, in fact, that Averro is emerging as one of the top head coaching candidates because of the job that he's doing with this Panthers team. I know you recognize the, the points per game aspect. You talk about the lack of rushing defense. I do think the passing defense has been a lot better, especially with a lot of the injuries. And against the bad offenses, he's shutting them down. Against Houston, <laughs> look, man, Lou Anarumo, he might be one of the best game-to-game -game defensive coordinators in all of the NFL. When you've seen what he's been able to do in the playoffs when Cincinnati gets there, what he's working with compared to what the production is, he's been fantastic. My point is, Anarumo couldn't shut down C.J. Stroud enough to get that win. Averro did. It was surprising. The last three games, Averro's been in his bag, man. You've seen Dante Jackson improve. Derek Brown had an excellent game against Chicago. We've seen Brian Burns not even produce at a 
level or pace in which he's going to surpass his sack total from last year, and yet still you're finding a way to put enough pressure on the quarterback to have this defense hold offenses in check, and other NFL regimes are taking note of that. He might leave. Well, we're going to find out this he might weekend. Leave. I think this is a big weekend for him to really show what time it is. You get Brian Burns back in the lineup. Uh, you could have J.C. Horn out there playing for you, and you're going up against one of the top five offenses in the National Football League that's been on fire. Dak Prescott has thrown for over 400 yards in his last game. We're going to see what Everell's got this weekend because this is going to be a huge test for this defense. Yeah, the coaching staff will be fascinating to see how it shapes up over the next offseason and really <laughs> over the next, uh, what, few weeks left mm-hmm. in the regular season. You know, a little uh, less than one half to go. You can hear Wes and Walker live and local every weekday afternoon from noon to 3. Sit tight and stay locked because Instant Replay continues next. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. The exclusive home of the Charlotte Sports Fan. This is Instant Replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. Earlier this afternoon on the Kyle Bailey Show. The question right now is, you know, with Miles Bridges returning to the Hornets lineup tomorrow night, what will the reception be? What should the reception be? 704-570-9610. Let me know. Um, Texters are, in fact, letting us know. We had uh, Matt from Charlotte, Matt T. from Charlotte, saying, let Miles play. What's the worst that could happen? We lose? Well, I don't think that's really what's at stake or what's at issue here, Matt. I mean, respectfully, we all know he's going to play. Uh, It's not a question of whether or not he's going to be allowed to play. They're going to play him. Steve Steve Clifford told us days ago, yes, he will have a prominent role when he returns. Um, Folks also asking about, hey, what's the latest on the billiard ball incident, the custody exchange incident? That's that's the sticking point for a lot of folks. Now, there are people who felt like after the first incident on the eve of a free agency a year and a half ago that that should have been enough. Uh, But the recent, quote-unquote, incident – with the billiard ball and a custody exchange and that sort the court date has been set for february i believe which is not uncommon um you know when it happened he turned himself into a lincoln county judge uh got in to see the judge had a court date set for i believe last week um that was continued to february and again that's pretty normal based on my understanding of things uh and some folks in the legal profession that i've talked to so this is not going to be adjudicated it sounds like until february and so in the meantime they're going to play him. And I'm not shocked by this. I mean, the league has always been fairly consistent on we got to let the judicial situation play out. Then it's the NBA's turn to conduct an investigation and make some determination. Then it falls to the team, I guess, in that particular order of operation. So I'm not shocked that he's playing tomorrow. I don't think anybody should be. Um, although there are texters who are you know, very much not happy about it. Uh, someone saying that it's piss poor on the part of the Hornets. Uh, sorry about your uh, – oh, then he said to me, sorry about your loss. No, I appreciate that. But he says piss poor on the part of the Hornets. I guess, Hoggard, I'll ask you, what should they be doing in this situation? I know it's a loaded question. I'm asking you to solve it. But, I mean, do they have to play him? Should they be playing him tomorrow night? Well, I mean, you, you, you're going to pay him. And he's you know he's got a one-year deal. He's got the restricted free agency tender, so he, he can't be traded. You've got him this year. You're going to eat the PR bullet. It's happening right now. You're eating the PR bullet, yep. potentially, so that somebody else won't have to in a year for miles. I, I think you, at this point, you've made the decision. Uh, and I think part of it, part of it is living in reality. If they'd have made a different decision from the jump, I think a lot of us would have supported it. 
they they went the way they went with we're going to bring them back and so now we're just dealing with the reality of it. Oh, I think so. Penn State Dion, I'm sorry, Penn State Don says let him play. I hope the fans heckle him and he shows he can handle his mistakes. I I actually I kind of like that perspective, right? I mean, one of my concerns about bringing him back in the first place was, okay, we know that he's a talented young guy and that he can play basketball. We know he's got um, you know, chemistry with LaMelo Ball, but how will he handle the mental adversity? of unquestionably, undoubtedly being heckled to all hell every single arena he steps into for the next several months. Do you think he has a high enough profile to receive that kind of treatment? Um, In certain places, yes. In certain places, no. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean by that? I I think when he goes to places like Utah, right? I don't even know if Utah's on the schedule. I think they are. Uh, But if if he goes to Utah, like those fans, I think might be a little bit nasty to him. Um, I could see some fans in L.A. letting him hear it, right? I could hear Pistons fans who know his story in Detroit letting him have it a little bit, potentially. Um, but going to Memphis on a Tuesday night, no, I'm not so sure about that. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. And, you know, I, I think what I'm, I don't know, most fearful of, I guess, is, well, other than a, you know, another incident, which unfortunately has been a, a possibility, I, I, it's just the constantly hearing about it. Yeah. We don't get to hear about our team a whole lot. We, our team has not won a ton of games. So whenever we do get talked about, is this going to be the topic that people are leading with and just make being a Hornets fan that much harder? I hope not. Um, you know, the seven, seven, Someone from the 704 texted in and said, it's all about money. M- morals go out the window. 100% true. But that's pro sports. That's, and that's just it. That, it, it. That's my perspective on it at this point. Is yeah. It's like, this is what everyone else has agreed upon. Does that make you jaded? It, Does that make us jaded to look at it that way? Well, no, I think for I me as a father. No, no, I, I think for me as a father, you know, I see people jumping in. I, I, you know, I'm a father of a daughter. I've, I've got sons. This is disgusting. All the things. I will not celebrate Miles Bridges with my, with my, with my sons. Right. That won't happen. If, if there's a phenomenal play by Mark Williams, there's a decent chance I'll show the youngster in the morning. If there's a great play by Miles Bridges, I'm less inclined to. Right. He won't he won't be rocking a Miles Bridges jersey, anything like that. But I, you know, am I going to not take him to a Hornets game? I don't think so. I, think, I, I mean, I mean, I think I will take him. Yeah, and I think that's where you know people just have to draw the line for themselves. I'm, right. I'm, I'm not here to dictate anybody else's morality. I, I think I've made my stance on this pretty clear, and yours is the same. I don't associate with dudes that beat women. Yeah. Like I, I, I think the dudes that abuse women are the scum of the earth. I don't. That's not you know, it's not negotiable for me, right? I also have seen toxic relationships up close. I, I have seen that there can very much be two sides to a story when it comes to domestic issues, right? I, I've seen two people that are very much oil and water, not meant for each other, but have children, and they struggle deeply to figure out a way to co-parent, sometimes and unfor- extremely unfortunately, to the detriment of their own children. I think a lot of that is happening right here, but I'm not in their home. I'm not in their relationship. I'm not a part of their world in that way. And so a texter just asked me a minute ago um, and said, hey, I, I fail to see how Miles Bridges' personal life is any of my business. I don't use sports to virtue signal. I'll be cheering if he plays well. Um, I, I, is it virtue signaling? I don't know. Because I think Colin just said it best a minute ago. Is Are you going to buy your son a Miles Bridges jersey? No. Why? Because you don't want to endorse or condone the things that he's been accused of doing. And I think some things that he's more or less admitted to doing, is that virtue signaling? I don't, I don't know that's what that is. I think that might be just making a choice as to you know, who you want to elevate in the eyes of your children. Well, I think if you're, if you're the one going on Twitter and you're saying you're, you're aghast that this is happening and, and you treat the Hornets as, as though they're the only 
you know, person that has a, someone on their roster or the only team that has someone on their roster that has uh, some issues in their personal lives, we'll leave it there, that that, that to me is virtual signal. You, you, you pick and choose, and I think when, when you talk about, uh, you know, some of the stuff on, the, on social media, but at the same time, I think, like you said, everyone's entitled to their own opinion. If you say, hey, I'm not going to step foot in the arena, I get it. I will get it. And the good news is I think he will only be here for one season. Oh, I, I think there's a distinct possibility that's the case. And for folks that might not know what Colin's talking about, he signed a one-year $7 million deal, I believe it was? Yeah, that's about 10.6. Is that what it was? A one, 7.6, thank you. A one-year $7.6 million contract, meaning that at season's end, uh, he is going to hit unrestricted free agency. So the, the Hornets could keep him. But the, I mean, if Brandon Miller gets healthy and, and let's say has a very strong rookie season, I think that even further decreases the odds of Miles Bridges returning next season. And he cannot be traded this season, so don't be looking to try and find that wide receiver help for the Panthers by getting him out of town. Sure, seven oh five. That almost got right by me because I was I was ready to charge right on through this conversation. But uh, kudos, seven oh four number says Miles is a POS. I shouldn't have to explain that one. Uh, these athletes get Point away with these athletes get away with everything. Seven oh four five seven oh ninety six ten. Uh, 704 number saying Miles won't get much of a boo. Those who care have gotten used to disappointment. It's just another thing to be let down about. People won't support him, cheer for his plays or buy his gear, but it's too par for the course to get a boo from a fan base that is numb at this point. I would push back about that a little bit. Um, I think he's going to be booed. I, I, again, it only takes 10% of an arena booing together. Coordinated noise tends to stand out. So I, I, I believe you're going to hit him or you're going to get him, you know, he's going to get booed tomorrow night. How significantly? I don't know. We'll, we'll have to wait and see. Like, what's the first reaction to the first big Miles Bridges dunk? Like, collective ambivalence? Like, are people not going to know what to do with their hands when that yes. happens tomorrow? Actually, I think like full a Ricky Bobby it. tomorrow I, night. Like, what? Everybody's going to look around. Like, what do we? What do you? I mean, yeah. He's uh, like, do you, do you pound yourself <laughs> so as not to actually? Cl- I don't know what they're doing tomorrow night. It's going to be. It's going to be like. I bet some people are going to act like uh, an opposing uh, bench player seeing one of their players get dunked on. They'll be like, oh yeah, oh. Uh, yeah. Nope. Nope. Mm-mm. Didn't see anything. Sure. Sure. Uh, texter, I just got one of these. Texter says, hours of blah blah blah. He beat a woman. I have to ask what kind of point you're trying to make there. Are you downplaying the he beat a woman part, or are you saying all the other conjecture is blah, 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 and the baseline point is he beat a woman? I don't, that's, I don't the to, way I, that's the way I read it. Is that what it is? That, that, I, yeah, I don't want to blah, assume. Blah, blah, blah. Bottom line, guys, he beat, a, he beat a woman. Okay, and the mother of his own child at that, in yeah. front of his children. And that's, hey. that's, a, that's a place that, that that's a thing that people will not get over mm-hmm. for many people. They will not get past that point. Well, you know, I, I, I agree. I agree in principle. I guess I guess my problem is this is the, he's not the only one. We're... It, 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 so not the NBA, you shouldn't play in the NBA or whatever, but but you can play in the NFL or you can play in ho- hockey, you can play. I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I just don't have the energy right now in me as a dad of two that's trying to, you know, make make it through this life right now to be like, this is this is a hill that I'm going to stand on. Yeah, no, I get it. I mean, I just, I wonder if you're football fans, like somebody just said, Joe Mixon, Kareem Hunt, like. How many of those fans quit their team? Like they get how, celebrated, how, man. How many, how many Browns fans, you know, stopped rooting for Cleveland when Deshaun Watson showed up? Mm-hmm. I, I just, um, hmm. They, I mean, the Chiefs have been the apple of everyone's eye. And again, I mean, we're, we're talking about a guy that was doing flips with doing selfies, you know, and that and that's cool and it's fun and that's the highlight that we're showing. Rewind the tape. Listen to the words. Yeah. I mean, I'm just saying, like, if if this is the if this is the landscape that we live in. I don't know that I need to be treating our guys differently. 
Again, am I going to embrace him? Am I excited about it? No, I'd have made a different decision. Sure. But am I going to be angry at at, at the at the organization at this point? I don't think I got it in me. No, I, I just I, I hear you because it, you're, you're fighting. It feels like an uphill ba- an uphill battle. That that's why, honestly, um, you know, I, I laughed at the notion of a, a march on Mint last week. Because that's not a real-life issue. We love sports. You and I are here because we love sports. We know sports matter to people. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't think anybody with adult responsibilities is going to be caught dead protesting on a Sunday a professional football team because there are far too many other things in life that matter, right? And so we're talking about things in life that matter. And when you watch pro sports, how much of this have you seen over the years that's made you exhausted or, to your point, just throwing your hands up and say, you know what, It's not. I can't fight this battle alone. Me personally boycotting this team, it's certainly a decision that you can make. But if you don't feel like fighting it, I get it because it's people have been inundated with this stuff for decades in professional sports. You tuned into Instant Replay when the audio was so good it has to be heard again. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ, the exclusive home of the Charlotte sports fan.